0: Welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. Ragu Marcus traveled to India on a spiritual quest. And while he was there, he met KC Tiwari, a high yogi who had the ability to go into altered states of trance known as Samadhi. The story comes to life in the documentary, Brilliant Disguise, The Samadhi of KC Tiwari. Stay tuned as we go Center Stage with Ragu Marcus, producer of Brilliant disguise.
1: The experience is with this man, K.C. Tuari, who is one of our mentors. When we went back with Ramdas to India to meet Neem Karoli Baba, the guru, in the early 70s, and we were introduced to him in a very strange way in that because as we called him Maharaji Ninkaroli Baba. It's just an endearing name that many people are called in India, especially holy people. He of course had a great sense of humor and we'd be sitting around in a room with this incredible looking Indian man with this shocking white hair and and a glint in his eyes. I mean, he really. Uh, uh, I, I actually this morning read something in the Time New York Times about uh, Robert Crumb. I don't know how many of you out there will remember oh, yeah. Robert Crumb, the cartoonist. Oh and my God, he did,
0: he did the. Uh, got keep on trucking, or no? Yeah, well, his his stuff was kind of pornographic.
1: Yes, yeah, some of it was just outrageous. Some of it was actually had a spiritual bent to it, and that was uh, taken up by Mr. Natural. So, Tuari was a little like Mr. Natural to us, because he was so present in the moment. Anyhow, we'd be sitting around, and then suddenly uh, Maharaj would be laughing, going, what's wrong with him? And we'd look over, and he, Tuari would be in, in like a stone statue, without any pulse or breath which, of course, we never had seen anything like that in our lives uh, up to that point. And uh, uh, we had read about it. You know, I read um, Autobiography of a Yogi, which talks about, you know, some of these incredible feats that these Himalayan yogis uh, could do. And uh, very miraculous. And that, But then suddenly, there we were. It was right in front of our face. And what's wrong with him, he'd say. I don't know. He looks like he's in deep samadhi. You know, we we learned that term. We had no idea what it meant. You know, very very deep absorption into the divine presence is is one way to put it. And uh, so this happened all the time with this man. But we never really hung out with him in, in, in a way that we knew his background or any of that stuff until Neem Karoli Baba left meaning until he died in 1973, in September, actually. And at that point, the night before he left to actually uh, died in, in another place, because we were in the Himalayas with him, and he went down to the plains uh, near Taj Mahal, actually, in a place called Brindavan and died there. And before he did that, he said to Tiwari, you take care of the Westerners. And from that day, then we started having a a relationship with him that we started to understand who he was and what uh, extraordinary, the extraordinary way in which he lived, both in this deep spiritual, and you wouldn't even call it a practice, because it was something, it was the most favorite thing for him to do, was to propitiate the deity and, and go into these states of consciousness where, God knows, we don't know where the hell he was. But that was like, uh, for us, going by, I always use this uh, analogy of going by a uh, an, a haagen ice cream store for the first time and you get hooked on it and you just keep veering into that store every time you go down the street. Well, that's what he did with uh, being in these states of consciousness. That's what it meant to him. But at the same time, he had a family with three children. He was a headmaster of a boy's school up in the, this big town called Nainital, up in the Himalaya. And he balanced all of that in a way that we had never seen anybody. D- of course, we had never had this kind of an experience with somebody who could go in those states just starting there. But the reality of him being able to to traverse the the world, so to speak, on one hand and the spiritual world on the other and make them one. Uh, that was the beginning of many years of being with him and we, he came, Krishna Das, I don't know if you know Krishna das is one of the big chant guys uh, in, in, uh, in the West actually. And we would bring him over, a couple of times we brought him over to America so westerners who couldn't get to india could meet him and so on so we spent a lot of time with him and it w- at some point about geez at now it's got to be six seven years ago uh, we thought krishnas and i wouldn't it be great because we knew we had some footage that someone had taken of him in the uh late 80s early 90s before maybe six seven eight years before he actually died and w- so with that we decided hmm we really want to share the extraordinary life of this being,
0: K.C. Tiwari. Go back uh, to the 70s when you were, um, in the film you talk about, you were you were just kind of dissatisfied with your life and then something happened. But tell me about, what was the environment like for you back then before you made, shall we call it a pilgrimage to India?
1: Yeah, very much so. Uh, What was it like? Well, I was a disenchanted teenager with, obviously, with society. I was archetypical of many of us back then who, uh, well, Bob Dylan (laughs) exemplified through his songs. In fact, without Bob, at at a certain, when I was 15, 16 years old, I don't know what I would do, because at least I had an idea. I wasn't the only one, and that's a big deal, actually. And uh, as the thing that um, saved me initially was music actually. I was so connected mu- to music of all sorts. And I t- I've told this story a billion times, but when I was maybe 16, 17, I was sort of smuggled into a, uh, a nightclub in Montreal, where I'm from, and uh, to see John Coltrane. And he uh, he, He was extraordinary and he played my favorite things on a soprano sax at one point in the evening and I just felt myself literally levitating out of the physical, uh, all of the senses. I had levitated out of them in the middle of that song and had a a really extraordinary experience. And that uh, was the beginning of me thinking, okay, there's got to be something, there is something else. First I thought, there got to be something else. Then I knew there was something else. Then it wasn't just my mind, my ego, my senses, and all of that. There was a possibility of having a different perspective in my life. And uh, so that was the beginning of it. And then uh, a few years later, psychedelics, which without psychedelics and Ramdas uh, says this himself uh, it would have been difficult to really uh, have any kind of understanding of what this being Neem Karoli Baba represented which was beyond polarity beyond me and we and some, something that I had never experienced before with another person and uh, of course acid gives you a taste of that and so uh... I, yeah, we were saved, as I said in the in the film.
0: What was the experience like when you touched down in India and started to immerse yourself in that culture?
1: Well, uh, I was there a few months, and so was Ramdas and others of us. When Ramdas went back the second time. And uh, Neem Karoli Baba just disappeared. He would disappear, meaning he would go places where nobody knew where he was, so we couldn't find him. And then finally, uh, after a few months, he reappeared up in the in the mountains in the, near this town I, I mentioned before, Nenita. And uh, so those months were uh, me getting used to the culture. Actually, that's not even the right word i remember at one point when i finally got up to the mountains after a few months of thinking wow i am more comfortable here than i have been anywhere in my life so i just felt so connected to the land to the people Uh, of course it was quite a bit different then i I don't know how many more you know millions of hundreds of millions of people are there now uh but uh still even when i go back these days and i go back often uh, obviously not in the pandemic um, uh, it still holds that uh, promise for me of of being able to completely uh, relax just relax into a spaciousness that obviously with work and everything family and everything else that uh, we have going uh, here in, in america and how fast it is here and uh, that, uh, that was something that happened to me after a few months in India. But the real thing was meeting this uh, extraordinary being, named Karoli Baba, and uh, getting to have an idea of the potential that uh, we as humans have to get beyond ourselves, to get beyond our self-interest he uh, whenever uh, he was asked questions about how how do we get enlightened those kind of questions that you know we were in our twenties. cents so you go to india you want to get enlightened right that's what you're supposed to do and mm-hmm. so we we asked those questions i remember and ramdas used to say this all the time he told this particular story of saying yeah well how do i uh he was he was very much into buddhism and he had a lot of buddhist friends and they had a lot of teachers and tibetans and so on who gave them the secret teachings, the mantras <laughs> that nobody else knew? I've and got that's one. That's what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all got one. Uh, and that's what uh, Ram Das wanted. And Maharaji said to him, when he asked him, that, How do I raise my Kundalini, or whatever the question might have been? He said, Feed people. And Ram Dass thought to himself, Well, oh, now that's a Really? I mean, come on! My friends are getting the most esoteric teachings and you're telling me to feed people? And so he put it another way. Well, wait, how can I get absorbed into states of, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever he was thinking. And Maharaji said, love everyone. And the simplicity of it, first it pissed Ram Dass off, and then eventually, of course, he started to understand what it's about is what we can do for others, not what, it, what we need or what we want. And, and that was a, a, a tremendous uh, turnaround in our lives because we had never even considered anything. I mean, through acid, you get the idea of the oneness of it all and the interconnectivity of it all. But you don't necessarily get the idea of how important, you know, our lives are important because we can give to it others. And that, that was uh, the main ingredient uh, from my time in meeting with him. I mean, there was tons of other stuff, like having to deal with uh, all kinds of mind stuff, as you can imagine, uh, being in the, just being with a mirror that just, you could really see your motivations and everything else, it was like yucky. So we <laughs> had, a, <laughs> had a hard time with that. Uh, but uh, that was part of the uh, evolution of uh, going to India. All of it was formative for me in order to really move my perspective out of uh, thinking that my story, the sh- story that I told myself you know, for all those years, uh, 20. let's say I went over there, I was 24, I stopped believing in it the way that I had before. I could no longer do that because of the um, the reality of this being in front of me that completely turned me around. And uh, when I first met him, I uh, Neem Karoli Baba, I understood that this in a deep experiential way that this was s- not something new and it gave me a connection to past, present, future in in a way that, you know, to talk about it in terms of karma and reincarnation, is it can get too intellectual, but I did have that deeper experience. That transformation in and of itself allowed me to be able to t- take a movie like brilliant disguise and a uh, and a being like K.C. Tuari and share it in a way that I never would have been able to had I not gone through what I went through in those couple of years uh, in uh, in the early 70s in India it was actually a year and a half and I I really honor that that part of it because uh it became my life's work, which to share this kind of media. I had been doing... I only met Ramdas because I was working at a radio station. I was the program director of a radio station when I was 22-3. Uh, a big, you know, I had a 50,000-watt station in Montreal. And I only, as I said, met him because they wanted me us to uh, promote Ram Dass, uh, giving a lecture at McGill University. So that was already part of my path uh, that uh, uh, became a much bigger uh, dharma for me. The thing, dharma, meaning the, the, I, I really connected with what I should be doing in this life. At a very early age, and I was very fortunate in that way. And in fact, Neem Karoli Bob has said to me uh, uh, soon, not long after I, I had been there, a couple of months maybe, and he said, What, do you, what did you do in America or in Canada uh, before you came here? So I'm sitting there thinking, Okay, how do I talk about you know, major free form rock and roll station program director? You know, I'm trying to figure out how I could couch it so it could be understood stood you know in 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 this context and before i could say a word and he he didn't speak english but of course he had access to whatever it was he needed he he just looked at me and he in in the english he went broadcaster and that had, was it in the moment and has been it for the rest of my life and so these this film brilliant disguise uh is something well? both Krishnas and I have wanted to share for
0: many years with people. You talked about uh, about the ego earlier and it seems as if the ego can be the primary source of most human suffering.
1: (laughs) Mind, yes.
0: The mind and the ego. It's not actually the ego or the
1: mind it's the clinging that we do on into, onto thoughts that we have, onto our story. Uh, I mean, uh, the ego is uh, can not a good master, but it could be a good servant. You know, we have to act in this world, and it's just a matter of, of attachment. You know, if we are attached to those acts in a way that is so uh, self-interested, the Buddhists have a great term, they call it self-cherishing. I love that term you can see yourself sort of you know kissing your own face in a mirror or something <laughs> you know this me 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 you know it's the uh the Krishnas talks about it as the movie of me you wake up in the morning you're the producer the director the protagonist the writer the photographer you're everything 24 7 and that creates the kind of suffering that you're talking about so it's it's we're all go- we're going to continue to have thoughts we're going to continue to operate from uh, ego place and it's just a matter of how uh, the attachment clouds it the clinging clouds it so much that you ju- you just keep operating as a self-interested machine.
0: It, I was looking at um, some of the videos you have a lot of uh A lot of stuff online.
1: Mm.
0: And uh, I enjoyed the, um, you were speaking, and you're talking about your father. And how your father came to India. And at the time, you didn't really get along with your father. And that seems a common theme, because Mm. I didn't really get along with my parents. They just were, had different political beliefs. Mm. And, And then you also talk about that notion of love. It's so hard to love when we feel uh unseen by our parents. But you I'm have this safe. you had this epiphany that really changed your life and it's as if your father through this experience he was able to shed some of those preconceived notions or those ego things that prevented him from seeing you. Yeah. Well,
1: uh Basically, Maharaji took, lit a piece of dynamite and threw it at him. And that's an analogy for him telling me one day when my father came to India to see supposedly how his sons, my brother and I, were doing. And, and he turned to me at one point and uh, he said, did you give your father the medicine? Uh, yeah, he had a cold. I gave him some aspirin or something. And he said, Nay. Yogi medicine that Ramdas gave me I went what acid my father and my father LSD you yeah, know he was like freaking but in the end uh, Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba said well just meet me in in 10 days in another city and so off we went to a, a city in India called Banaras which is where people go to die on the banks of the Ganges river and sure enough, I found somebody with a hit of acid. He actually took it. This is a 50-odd-year-old... Adver- you know, he's something from Mad Men, from that show. That was my... Fu- he even had the same Danish furnitures kind of thing. So he took it. And he had uh, a gigantic death trip, actually. He had been in the Second World War, was a bomber pilot, and had, you know, major PTSD that he actually lived through this acid trip and uh, when we went back uh, then after we went uh, to see Maharaji and he didn't say a word about the trip nothing except he told my father a whole story about that nobody could have known about a horse that my father had saved Uh, because the vet had said he had to euthanize him but my father refused and kept working on saving his leg and so on and it was a big big deal in my father's life you know that he had done this and uh, when he that's he just fell apart on the floor I'll never forget it Uh, after being told this this happened to you? You had a horse with a white leg and they told you that you had it had to die? And, you know, these simplistic terms, he told the whole story. And that was the beginning of the end for my father and the beginning of our life together. We were able to finally uh, go beyond the tyranny that I had experienced with him as a child.
0: If you'd like more information about the film, visit ramdas.org backslash brilliantdisguise. Until next time, this is Mark Gordon, and I'll see you center stage.